Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We've been in uh, a giving series, and I have loved this series. I've enjoyed it. Uh, and our giving series is Five Myths About Money and the Church. And the reason why we say that is because there are so many myths about giving and the church and money and church. And we know that this is a really important subject, something we absolutely need to talk about. It matters to Jesus. He spoke about money in uh, half of his parables. It matters scripturally. If you look in the Bible, uh, it speaks about wealth and possessions thousands of times. And so we know that this is largely a biblical issue because a lot of it has to do with our hearts and where our focus is. We're going to continue this giving series today uh, by looking at another myth. This is a fourth myth in this series. And this one, I don't know if you've heard this before, it's a saying. And to be honest, if you're new to church or church um, culture, you, you probably haven't heard this. But this is the myth. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. You know, like if, it, if it's God's will, well, then He can just pay for it. And why doesn't He just fix it up and He can just cover the cost of the whole thing, whatever it is. If He really wants it to happen, then He can cover it. Now, I would go ahead and say a couple of things about this. Firstly, part of this myth is actually kind of true, right? So if it's God's will, it is God's bill. But how He funds His bill is something that's really interesting. And that is absolutely what we need to dive into today and look into the Scriptures and see what it says. I tell you this, this is a very biblical perspective on how God covers the costs of the things that He wants to see happen on planet Earth. And so I want to begin with a Scripture, uh, Matthew 6, 21. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart is found with your treasure. Your heart is found with your treasure. I think that most people probably figure it's the other way around. It's that if we were to locate your heart, we would find all the stuff that you treasure. And yet the Scripture says it in the reverse order. No, no, no. What you really treasure, that's the place that we will find your heart. That's where it is located. And I think that it's really just sort of making the point is sometimes we think that our hearts are really after something. We think we really love stuff. But if we were to seek out where our treasure is and and, and what we value, right, we would sometimes find that they are actually in different locations. And so it's not so much what we just say as people, but it's our behaviors that would really indicate what we truly love and value and and treasure most. You know, if you wanted to find what you value most, you know, one of the things that you could do is you could just, man, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but you could just get a bill uh, that comes to you. And and I don't know if you've ever gone through your bank statement, but you, you get it and you look at it and you think, man, is that where it all went? Like, we really put it there? I didn't realize that that's what we were, uh, that's what we were putting our money. Did we really, could we have spent this much on coffee? Could we have spent this much on streaming services? Could we have spent this much? You know, it's like you look at that and it's that that reveals to you what you treasure. It's just kind of sometimes a shock to us because your heart follows your treasure. 
I feel like God would sometimes say to us, show me your bills and I'll show you where your heart is. Show me your, show me your bill. I'll show you where your heart is. We think it's in one place. And he says, no. He says, you know, I, I know that you, you love the idea and you're good at espouting those truths and you know the right words to say and you know what you should value and you know where you should say your heart really is. But actually, if we just go and, and download your bill, we'll, we'll actually have a really good look at where it is. Show me your bill and I'll show you the location of your heart. You know why? Because one of the things that I've learned is that we invest into our interests. We invest into our interests. That's a, hard, that's a hard issue, you know? And it doesn't matter what your interest is. Like, you know, if your interest uh, is sports, we're gonna find an investment that you'll make into it, you know? I mean, if you love the AFL, then, then maybe you've joined a club and you pay your financial, financially, you pay your membership because you're part of that club. And you, and you care about it. Maybe you don't care about that at all. And you care about music, right? Well, I bet you if we have a look at where you spend your resources, firstly, you've absolutely got a, a Spotify account or something like that that you probably pay for because you hate the ads like I do, right? And, and so you probably invest into that. But then we would say, hey, you also go out to concerts and, and, and different things. Why? Because you invest into your interests. That's not hard to understand. Everybody knows this. But you know, even though somehow, I guess, subconsciously we know these things, the truth is, is that sometimes the reality of our, our treasure and our hearts and our resources, it kind of eludes us. I, I remember before I even worked at church, I worked with a, a group of people. We were on our way to lunch one day, and, and one of the guys that we were walking with, he said this interesting thing. He said, hey, money is the root of all evil. And he kind of looked at me, and he smiled, and you know, he kind of said, hey, like as in, because he knows I'm a Christian, I go to church. And he said, doesn't the Bible say something like that? I said, nah. I said, I don't think that's really what it is. It's not that money is the root of all evil. It's actually the love of money. That's the root of all evil. When you, when you love it and that's got all of the affection of your heart, I said, well, that, that would be a, a, a really bad thing. But I followed this up and we're walking in a group of about 10 people and, and sort of, you know, we're all going to lunch together. So, you know, God bless him, I had a captive audience. We all had to walk in the same direction. So here we are, we're walking along and I said, you know what I think about money is that I think, you know, the love of it is the root of all evil, but also to be honest, money is just a tool. Money is a, is a resource, but money takes on the personality of the person who's holding it. So it'll do anything that we want it to do. And I remember when I said that, there was this moment where they all kind of stopped and they looked at me like I was spouting some brilliant piece of wisdom. The truth is, is that me, like a lot of other Christian people, we get our perspective on wealth and resource by reading God's Word and understanding where that should be in my life and the priority that should, it should really have in my life. They said, where do you get this stuff? And I'm like, guys, honestly, it's just the Bible. It's, it's just church, you know? But that's because we look at our wealth and our resource in a, in a different way. You know what I honestly think? I think that your money will take on uh, what you give it purpose to. We can give our money purpose. We give it purpose. We give it depending on where and how we use it. You know, and so I realized that one of the things that I can do is I can, I can give it kingdom purpose depending on where I use it. And today, come on, I understand this. It's, it's Miracle Offering Sunday. And uh, I understand that, you know, we're going to take up an offering today. 
And, and I'm looking forward to giving my resource kingdom purpose. You know, I, I was um, sitting on the couch with uh, my wife, Pastor Sarah, and we were talking about this. So about a couple of months ago, I, I said to Sarah, hey, you know, we should probably start to think about how much we want to give to the miracle offering because, you know, I, I don't want to pray about it the week of and realize that I don't have anything saved. So I want to kind of prepare for it. If I... It, if I just pray for it this week, I might not have what God asks me to give. So I said, hey, let's, let's pray about it right now. So, so that's one of the things that we did. And so I had this amount that I really believe like God had told me to give. And it was considerably more than we'd given in the past. And, and I said to Sarah, after some prayer time, I said, hey, what do you feel God's called you to give? And what do you think it is? And, and you know, just call out the number, say the number, right? Because I figured she had a number, say the number, you know? And she says the number and I'm like, that's the same number that I got. And I got pretty excited about that, firstly, because both of us heard God. And that's always an exciting thing when you hear God, you know? But I'm like, not only did we hear God and we heard Him accurately, but here's the other thing. I was excited because I was giving kingdom purpose. We were giving kingdom purpose to our resource. Now that, 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 that resource could have gone out and accomplished many things in my personal life, but the reality is, and I know that this is weird, and listen, if you are new and, and, and you've come to church recently, maybe you think this is weird. I don't even blame you. Like, I understand, I, I, totally, I totally get it, right? But I mean this genuinely from the bottom of my heart. I was actually very excited. I said, we're gonna do something great with this, you know? So I was excited and Sarah was excited. We're just passionate about it because we see immense value in sowing into the kingdom of God. We see immense value in sowing into the kingdom of God. You know, in 1869, two guys, John Deason and Richard Oates, they dug up and discovered the largest gold nugget ever found in Australia. And I decided to search for it. I wanted to look it up. They found the largest gold nugget ever discovered in Australia. And they found it in a place called Maliagal. And I was like, I have never heard of where Maliagal is, but it, it's in Victoria. And, I, and, and so this, this nugget that they found, it was a 72 kilo gold nugget. They even gave it a name. It's called the Welcome Stranger. What a, like who names a nugget? That's just weird, right? But they named their nugget, the, the Welcome Stranger. I thought, where's Maliagal? Like, I have no idea. I thought, I got to look this up. So I searched it up and it's actually just near Bendigo. If you're from, you know, Melbourne, Australia, you, you pr probably know where Bendigo is. So, so I looked it up and I thought, wow, I wonder how much a 72 kilo nugget is worth. So I looked it up and, and, and this is the amount. It was worth $5,657,899.47 if you were to have that gold nugget today. And I thought to myself, wow, I wonder how much you could buy land for in Maliagal. You know, I thought, I would love to know, like, I don't know, maybe there's a, <laughs> maybe there's another nugget out there somewhere. I, I got to find it, you know? So I thought, I wonder how much, so I, I looked it up, realestate.com.au, and I thought, wow, how much can you buy it for? Well, nobody's selling land in Maligal, uh, right? Maybe that's because there's more gold nuggets there. I, I don't know. But I looked it up. And in this area, you can buy eight hectares of land for 160 
$1,000. And that's today's value. I don't know how much it would have been back in 1869, right? But I'm tipping that out there, maybe you didn't pay so much for land. Now, here's the thing. I just thought about this logically, right? Um, if you had half a brain and you knew that there was a gold nugget on that property, a 72 kilo nugget, you would easily do anything you could to part with the $160,000 to buy that piece of land because what you found in the property is worth far more than what you paid for the property. Yeah. You, you know, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. You're like, you kidding me? There's like, so, so on the property, there's a, a nugget worth five and a half million dollars and I'm gonna pay $160,000 to own the piece of land so that I can own that thing. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. It just makes sense, right? This is exactly what Jesus was trying to teach people about a few thousand years ago. And he shares two uh, passages. There are two passages about this, two little stories, very short stories that Jesus talks about where he explains this. Matthew 13, verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up because you don't want anyone else to know what's there. So you got to hide it. And then you can come back and you can buy it. It says, then in his joy, you know, of course he's excited about it. In his joy, he's ecstatic about it. He goes and sells everything that he has. Why? Because he's found something that's worth infinitely more on the property than what he's going to pay for the property. And he gets excited about buying that field. Because the moment that he gets that field, he gets everything in the field and that's worth more to him than what he paid for the field. Come on, I feel like you're starting to get this. Jesus follows it up with another parable. And in Matthew 13, 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who, a merchant is someone who knows what they're looking for. They know value. It says, in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it and he was ecstatic about it because he knows what he's getting. He knows that the price that he's paying for the pearl is worth less than the value of the pearl. It carries infinitely more value to him than what he pays for it. Yeah. Now, both stories are there to teach us the same thing. I mean, look at it, right? Both men in the stories are ecstatic about selling everything they've got, giving up everything they've got and going to get the field or get the pearl. Why? Because they found something better than all of the stuff they already owned. It's not hard to figure this out. It makes sense. Jesus's point is just so simple. Because notice how he starts, the kingdom of heaven is like, Verse 44, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like, here is his point. The kingdom is worth infinitely more value than what you could ever pay for it. Like the kingdom is unimaginably value. It's, it's the hidden treasure. It's the pearl. It's the thing that's worth everything. And he's really hoping that his disciples and everyone else who's listening is going to get this point. I really hope that they get this. I really hope that they do. See, the gospel is free, at least to us. I mean, it cost Jesus his life. 
Yeah, the gospel message is the greatest message, the most encouraging message, I believe the most inclusive message that the world has ever heard. That anyone that wants to know God and have a relationship with God can have that, but it comes through Jesus Christ. And we believe that He paid the penalty for all of our mistakes. And if you, you know, go to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you for your sins, right? You have a relationship with God through Jesus and live eternally with Him. I mean, this is the greatest message. Now, the gospel, when it comes to you, it's free. But then you discover that actually it costs you everything. It's weird. Because it comes to you for free because Jesus already paid it. But when, when it gets deep into your heart, it starts to cost you everything. But then in your joy, you start to get excited about it costing you because you start to see infinite value in what the message itself accomplishes. Here's the myth. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, you know? And that is nice. It's just not biblical. It's nice, but it's just not biblical. Because I think if we were to look into the Scriptures, and we're about to, we'll see that there is a repeated pattern that, that constantly presents itself in the Scriptures. And if we said it's God's will, it's God's bill, we sort of circumvent this pattern that is repeatedly issued to God's people. Look at this, Exodus 25 verse 1. The Lord says to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. Not everybody's heart's going to be moved. Not everyone's. He actually didn't say take, a, take up an offering from everyone. No one's taking it from them. Something different is going on here. It says take it from the people whose hearts are moved by the request for it. And when your heart is moved by God, you come and you offer it, you give it. They, do you notice that that these people that they gave, depending on what their treasure was. I mean, I guess that they had plans for their resource. Everyone does. We all make plans for our, our resource. Israel, back in the ancient times, was no different. I mean, here's the tribe, the, the nation of Israel. They probably all had plans for their wealth and their resource. And yet he says, go and ask them for it. And the ones whose hearts go, yes, this is infinitely better. This is worth more than what I was going to do with it. I want to give kingdom purpose to this resource. Those were the ones that gave. And he says, you shall receive the contribution from them. Hey, come on, this is weird. If it's God's will, it's, it's God's bill, right? Then why did he ask these ancient tribe that are living in tents to give up their resource? And it wasn't even Moses. You'll notice that it was God. God goes to Moses. The request came through Moses from God. And these people, like, you know, they didn't live like we live today, right? They had plans for their resource, undoubtedly, right? We're going to have a new tent extension out this way. And we're thinking about building a second tent, you know, or I don't know, like whatever they got. I don't know what you buy back then, right? You know, but, but they probably had plans for it, you know. But, but come on, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's another way of saying that, you know, He owns everything. He doesn't even need money. He doesn't need resource. Why would God, who needs nothing, come to people who didn't, 
have necessarily everything and ask them for something. It's, it's interesting. 11 chapters later, the heading at the top of my Bible says contributions for the tabernacle. If you don't know what the tabernacle is, try to think about it as pop-up church. <laughs> Exodus 36, verse 2 to 7, it says, And Moses called everyone whose heart stirred him to come to do the work. Ah, that's interesting. Everyone whose heart stirred him up to come and do the work. And they received from Moses the contribution that the people of Israel had bought for doing the work on the sanctuary. Check this. They still kept bringing him free will offerings. No one forced them every morning. They just kept bringing it and bringing it. I'm going to jump to verse 6. It says, So Moses gave the command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Imagine, imagine getting to this point. <laughs> Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. Have you ever seen, like, restrained? <laughs> for the material that they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. They had so much and everything that they needed was actually in the hands of the people whose hearts were stirred. Yeah, that's so but it wasn't until it was released from those people that they had the abundance to do what they needed it. See, if it's God's will, why didn't he just pay for it? You sort of look at it and he goes, you're tabernacle, God. I mean, God can literally just make material things form out of nothing. He doesn't, he doesn't need money. Like he could just make it appear, right? So it's interesting that he would go to the people and say, come on, why don't you begin to sow into it? You know, sometime later in the scriptures, David is taking up contributions, but now for the temple. So we've got the sanctuary, the tabernacle slash pop-up church. Now to the temple, First Chronicles 29 verse 6, you'll see that God's people were insanely like just generous. Like they just gave and they gave, right? And then in verse 9, it says, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. No one's taken it from them. No one's wringing them out, so to speak. For they gave willingly. For with a whole heart. Well, there's that word again. It seems to just come up every time they're taking up offerings. With a whole heart, they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced. Going to jump to verse 17. He says this in summary. I know, my God, that you test the heart. And have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. Treasure is always a heart test. When you get it, what are you going to do with it? Treasure is always a heart test. The question is, if it's God's will, why didn't he just pay for it? And here's the unexpected answer. He did. He did. He, he paid for it. He paid for it, but maybe not in the way that you think. The tradition for thousands of years thousands of years is that people with a heart for his purpose give their resource to it that's how god covers the costs 
of things. It's just consistent through Scripture all the way through. You know, when I was 22 years old, I remember I gave my whole heart to God. You know, there was that time when I gave my life to Him and then you go on a, a bit of a journey and then I gave my whole heart to Him. And I can honestly say this, that from the time that I gave my whole heart to Him, I never struggled to give my resource. Never. And I know that this is a struggle for some people. It just wasn't for me. Why? Because I first gave Him my whole heart. One of the things that I've discovered is that just like people through time and history and over thousands and thousands of years, when people give their whole heart to God, well, the resource just follows. Why? Because they have found something infinitely of worth, infinitely more value to them than what they pay for it. You know? It's like the sacrifice is not a big deal because you feel like you're buying something infinitely worth more. And that's every time we invest into the kingdom of God, that's what it's like, you know. And I think that the only time we have tension in our heart and the only time we feel conflicted in our hearts, like we're like, oh, I don't know, like I'm not sure about this, right? It's oftentimes when our heart is not aligned necessarily with God's purposes, but when it's aligned with His purpose, I mean, the, the, you start to get excited and it's weird, I know. But it's my genuine understanding, it's my genuine experience that you start to get excited about it. If your heart is aligned with God, you know what happens? Your resource takes on His personality. And now that starts to go out and accomplish all the things that He wants it to do. And you know what? When you come to that place, you say, God, what do you want my resource to do in your kingdom. What do you want it to accomplish, right? Well, how do you figure that stuff out? Well, we, I guess we've been saying it for weeks now. You just pray and you ask, right? God, what do you want to do with the resource that I have? I mean, imagine just going to God and genuinely in your heart of hearts, just asking Him that question, right? Well, what do you want me to do? I, I, I'll be faithful with it, but you, you, you just tell me what you want me to do. See, this whole myth about it's God's will, He can pay for it, His bill, right? I would say it's probably half busted. It's interesting. It depends on kind of how you, you look at it. God's will is covered by the hands of His people with a heart for His purpose. Yeah. That's how He covers it. That's how He covers His bill. Through the hands of His people that have a heart for His purpose. There's kingdom alignment. There's a passion to see what God wants to do on planet earth. There's a passion to see the kingdom of God extended. There is a passion to see His house well-resourced and be able to go forward and accomplish great things that make sense. You know, I, I talk about the Old Testament. When you look in the New Testament, we're not going to do it for the sake of time today, but you look at Acts 2 verse 42, right? What does it say, right? That the people, they came and they gave and they sold their wealth or their possessions and they brought everything that they had and they laid it at the apostles' feet. And why did they do that? Because they saw something worth infinitely more value in what they were giving to than how much it was costing them. And they said, we, this is so good. We've got to sow into this. And no one made them do it. You know, as I looked through all of time and history, no one forced them. No one made them. But those with a heart for His purpose, who were stirred by the Spirit of God said, come on. And in that group of people was often more than enough resource to cover what God was wanting to do. They sold everything. No one forced them to do it. 
You know, if you look through the New Testament, even, even after the birth of the early church, and we look, you know, down the timeline, we see the Jerusalem church, and they're in a, in a, in a bad way. There's a famine in the land at this time. So Paul goes on ahead to arrange a gift from the other churches, and they would take up resource to give towards that church because they were in need in that time. And so they're starting to organize all the different churches to be generous. And, and if you look in the scriptures, you can see this, that they gave and they gave and they gave. In fact, there was one church that was completely impoverished, right? And they begged, they begged. They said, oh God, please let us give to this. Paul, come on, let us give to this, right? We're so excited. And they gave out of their lack instead of giving out of their abundance. It's like the widow's might. It meant even more to God, you know? She gave out of her poverty, but they gave out of their abundance, right? And they just wanted to give, right? No one made them do it, but they had a heart for His purpose. And here's the point. Not everything that comes to you is necessarily for you. And I feel like if we, as Christians, if we could just get that, then not everything that comes to us is always for us. We'd probably find more to give because we just change our perspective on it. We just look at it a little bit differently. And at the end of your life, when you come before God and you spend eternity, I don't, I don't know how it works, to be honest. But if we ever give time to reflect on our time during earth, I don't think we will be celebrating who was able to collect the most before we came here, you know? I just don't see us standing around and say, how much were you able to keep before you spent your time in eternity? No one's, no one's celebrating that. No one's doing that. I think it's percentage-based. I think it's people look, how much did you give? How much did you, I don't even, they probably don't even talk about that, but I can't imagine the other thing being celebrated. How much did you collect? You've got to, you've got to start to ask yourself the question with all the resource that comes to you, whatever God gives to you, where does He want it to go? How much will you collect for yourself? You, you, I guess you really don't want to be the filter. Whereas God begins to pour it out, you filter it all and find a way to put it into things that you always tell yourself that you need. You got to filter to catch all of it. You catch it all and then you realize that it's all spent, right? Because you had allocated it to everything. No, I don't think we're meant to be filters. I reckon we're supposed to be funnels. God, I thank you for the resource that you've given to me. How can I channel this towards something of infinite value? I see what it costs me, but I realize that what I'm getting for it is worth far more than I'm sacrificing for it. What's, what's in the property, what's in the field is worth far more than I'm paying for the field. What's, what the pearl is worth is 
so much more than what I paid for the pearl. The people of God in the Old Testament, what they gave to the kingdom was worth far more than it cost them for the kingdom. Look at the New Testament church. What they gave to the apostles was worth uh, far less than what the apostles were distributing to everyone else. If you look at it time and time again, people with a heart that was stirred, that decided that, you know what, for them, for their time, at that point, for that generation, they said, we're going to become channels of God's resource not filters for God's resource. And let it be said of this generation at this time, I feel, I feel like we are at a precipice. We are at a fork in the road. This is a very interesting time, not in just history, but in church history, in the timeline of the church. And let it be said of this generation, that we found so much more in the field than what we paid for the field, that we found so much more in the kingdom than what we ever had to pay for the kingdom. How can we channel your resource? How can we do more? And of course, today, we have an opportunity to significantly sow into the kingdom of God. So what I wanna do today is just pray for that. We're gonna have an opportunity in just a moment to give towards this miracle offering, to be able to position ourselves have a church building to be able to move forward and do all the things, say all the things that we need to say and that we want to say. But first, I wanna pray about that. And I wanna ask my beautiful wife, Sarah, why don't you come up here, sweetheart? We wanna to pray together. We're gonna to pray over this offering together. Uh, we already, we're so thankful for all the people that are giving generously to this, but. Why don't we pray and why don't we commit everything that we're about to do to God? Sweetheart, you pray. Yeah, why don't you join in with us this morning as we pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much that you have already gone before us, that you bless us already abundantly, God. And Lord, I just pray this morning, Lord, that we would be people that are filled with your Spirit, God and that we are people who are led by your Spirit, Lord. And God, I just pray this morning that, you know, as we've been listening to this Word, God, and even now, as we're in this time of prayer, God, that you would just be speaking to each one of us, Lord. And I pray that we would have ears that are open to, yes. to hear you, God, and hearts that are soft towards you, Lord. And I just pray that we would be people who are led by you, God, and are obedient when you speak to us, God. And I just pray, Lord, um, that we would be people that when we hear you speak, that we would move, God. And I just pray for everyone who gives today, God, that you would bless them abundantly, God. And with everything that is given, Lord, Amen. I just pray that it would be able to be used for your kingdom purposes, Amen. God, that it would help Bright Church be able to move from strength to strength, that it would yeah. be able to help us to be able to make a difference in the world around us, God, that we would be able to use what is given, God, um, for your kingdom purposes in your name, Jesus. Yeah, God, we just pray that as a generation of people that love you so much, that everything that we give today, is actually a sign of our affection and our love for you. It's a sign of what we want to invest and sow into your kingdom. And so God, we just thank you for the opportunity to give kingdom purpose to our resource today. I pray that we would be generous and that we would be faithful. We love you, God. We thank you for what you're doing at Bright Church. We thank you that the best days of the church are ahead. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.